Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Go ahead and stand with me. Love one another. Yeah, let's go ahead and give a hand clap. That's okay. Welcome. We are so glad that you're here on Super Sunday. Let's pray together. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your goodness. Thank you that we can come together and worship underneath your name. Holy Spirit, illuminate our hearts, we pray. Let the word of God change us different than when we came in. Our hearts are bowed to you. Be with us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Everyone says? Amen. 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 You may be seated. Go ahead and wave at your neighbor, as is our custom. If you're a guest, we'd like to welcome you. I'm going to mention this briefly. Um, Last week, I got the opportunity to talk about titles. So if you're new here, we just want to let you know we've been through a transition. Just recently, this, we're going on our second week of that transition. And uh, last week, you know, in a weekend, you just can't talk about everything you need to. So we're going to kind of do it maybe one more time here after today. But last week, we talked about titles. And people, you know, were asking, well, what do I call Pastor Mike? And what do I call you, Pastor Matt? I think Pastor Mike and Pastor Matt's efficient. You know, some of you guys have only known me long enough, you just call me Matt, and I'll answer that too, right? Just like the joke says, don't call me late for dinner. You know, it's all right. But, but today, you know, everybody, another question that people have uh, consistently is, Matt, what, what does the position difference look like? Well, that's a great question, and we're open to any questions that you might have, anything that Pastor Mike and I can answer. We definitely want to be able to talk to you about that. But as far as position-wise, you know, uh, as the lead pastor, I'll have the day-to-day activities and the staff and these type of things that will be um, under my responsibility. Um, The teaching up here won't change a whole lot. You'll still see Pastor Mike preaching and teaching. Matter of fact, he was leading our Let's Get Acquainted Sunday School class this morning. Um, with Randy and I, we all do that, and that won't stop. Um, you, uh, he's going to lead out on a sermon series, an apologetic sermon series here in a couple weeks at the end of February here. Um, still preach on Sunday nights and lead on Wednesday nights and do all the things that you do. But it's a funny story. We had our first big funeral a couple of uh, weeks ago now, probably a week ago. And uh, it was my first week as the lead pastor. So guess who got to take that responsibility? And you know how you don't know what you don't know until you know what you don't know? <laughs> so uh, I, I've, the, the, um, we worked with the funeral home and the family and everything, and I took the lead on that. So I wound up meeting with them in the office and organizing it and putting it all together and doing all the stuff that you have to do, which is uh, many hours preparation usually until you have the funeral. And then um, that Saturday morning we had the funeral and I woke up early and I was in my notes by about 7 a.m. And Pastor Mike's over here grinning a little bit. I was in my notes by about 7 a.m. and working this out, making sure I had everything lined up. And I walk in this, you know, I walk in the church and Pastor Mike's in the foyer going, hey, how are you? It's good to see you, you know, shaking hands. I'm so glad, you know, that you're here. So sorry about your loss. And, and you know, I called him, I said, hey, would you read the obituary? He goes, yeah, I'll read the obituary and make a couple comments, no problem. And then I walked in that Saturday, I saw him doing that, and I thought, that used to be my job. <laughs> I don't know about this. Now that I know what I know that I didn't know that I know now, you know. So stuff like that is going to happen, but, and it's going to take a little bit of time. We're not, in, we're not in any hurry, but as far as positions, you'll still see that type of stuff around here, and it's going to be okay. If y'all have any questions, please allow us to answer. Now, speaking of position, remember tonight that the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, I almost said Warwick Eagles earlier, but that wouldn't have been so, you know, but the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs are playing. We encourage you to go sign up and be a part of that tonight. Now, what we're going to concentrate on today is 1 Timothy chapter 
um, 1, verse 5. And we're in the midst of a series that's simply continuing a legacy, celebrating a life of ministry. And here Timothy is being written to by his father in the faith, the apostle Paul. And Paul addresses him as his son in the faith and things like that. But he, he gives him three clues. He says, listen, if you want to continue the legacy, now these are my words, not his, but if you want to continue, to continue the legacy and look back on your life and know that you've had a ministry that's impacted people for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, then here's some secrets that you need. And that's kind of what we're talking about. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul's giving him some charges, and, and all that means is instructions. Like, I'm going to give you instructions, and I want you to give these to your church. The aim of our charge is, is love. Now, remember, that's the agape love. That's the love that I'm positioning myself in a place where you are more important than I am. That's what Paul is saying here, and that's how Timothy should use his uh, due to his congregation. That issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Okay, last week we talked about a pure heart, and I won't hark on that very long, but this week we're going to kind of come up on a clear, uh, excuse me, a good conscience. It's so important to have a good conscience. I was thinking about this with our Super Bowl Sunday. How many of these men that step on the field, and you know, football, if you're not in the football, that's fine, but to understand the dynamics of the game, it's a legal war. Okay, it's, it's a legal war. You step on a field, and at the level intensity that these NFL players are going at each other, I mean, this is not the Pro Bowl. <laughs> this is for the Super Bowl. And the amount of focus that they must have, and think about that, they must step on the field knowing that they've done everything they could do to prepare for this moment. Can you imagine if some of them step on that field and they know in the back of their mind they haven't done everything that they could prepare, how heavy that would weigh and how they, their conscience would eat at them? Now, could you imagine this, how dangerous that is? Because I promise you, you've got, you know, a six foot five, 320 pound guy. His intention is ripping your head off. You better be focused and have your conscience in order. You know what I'm talking about? This is what he gets paid for. And we don't get paid minimum wage to do this either. I mean, they, they mean business, right? Well, having a conscience in the life of faith is the same thing. I want you to think of it this, this morning like this, that it's our spiritual security system. Having a conscience is like a, a spiritual security system. So at my house, we have a home security, as I, mean, as I know many of you do. And, you know, arming stay, no entry delay is what mine says. Maybe some of you guys say the same thing. Or whenever I disarm it, it, it lets me know by text or whatever that I've disarmed my system. But it also lets me know about breaches. So somebody opens up the back door when they're not supposed to or the front door, things like that. All of a sudden, woo, 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 woo. You know, and I got about 15 seconds to get downstairs and enter my code before I talk to the lady. You know what I mean? Now, but it also lets me know the safety stuff too. That, hey, your doors and, and windows are secure. You're fine. You know, go to sleep, go to bed, that type of deal. Now, this is the thing though. You've got to understand it's not your conscience that protects Okay, Jesus Christ is our refuge and we run into him and him only, amen? But a security system does let me know when there's a breach and it also lets me know when I have things secure, okay? So our conscience is just like that, okay? Our conscience, when it's connected to the Holy Spirit, connected to our God, then it helps us as that warning system, okay? Lights will buzz, sirens will fly in your mind and, and you guys know what I'm talking about. So this is a couple good definitions of a, of a good conscience, a moral consciousness or awareness. Now, it's a moral consciousness or awareness. Like whenever we walk into a situation, and you guys I know have been there, you've walked into a situation, you're like, there's something not right here. I don't know what it is, but I just feel a vibe, right? Okay, how about the conscious reacts when one's actions, thoughts, and words conform to or, conform to, or are contrary to the standard of right and wrong? 
okay? So the conscious, if you're doing it right and you're supposed to be doing it right, we've got some positive feedback, amen? If you're doing it wrong, you're gonna get some negative feedback that says, woo, 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 you've crossed the threshold, you've done something you shouldn't be doing. Now, this is extremely interesting, and I don't have time to go into it. This would be a sermon in itself, but Romans chapter two, verses 15 through 16. So Paul is writing to his friends of Romans, and he says this. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Now, I'm gonna stop there, and you can go back and read it, but who's the they? The they are unbelievers, specifically in this case, Gentile unbelievers, Okay? And he's saying, listen, everyone has a conscience. Everything, God has written the law on people's hearts. And he goes on to say this, that the law is written on their hearts, okay? They know the difference between right and wrong. Have you guys ever known somebody that's completely unsaved and, and denies Christ, yet they still have some morality about them? Okay, well, that didn't just happen, right? So he's saying this, and this is how strong the conscience is for all of us. He says, on the day of judgment, whenever they stand before Jesus... It will, that will be the weight that they're judged by and they will be found guilty because there were some things that they were involved in that they knew they shouldn't have been involved in and there were some things they should have done that they did not do and that, enough, that, is, that is enough to, to um, cast out judgment on them. That's how serious a subject we're talking about. No wonder why Paul looks at Timothy and says, listen, this is a key secret to, uh, an, to an opportunity to have a ministry that you can look back on and have and last a lifetime. You know, it's very difficult in the culture that we live in. We have 20 and 25-year-olds. How many of you guys remember being 20 and 25 years? Yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, I had to think a while back, but I got it, Matthew. I understand. You guys could sleep on concrete three days in a row and it wouldn't bother you, huh? Yeah. The culture that we live in today, 18, 19, 20, 30 years old, $5,000 beds, $1,000 worth of prescription, still cannot get a good night's rest. There's something to be said about a pure conscience, about a good conscience. Christina, or Christine Kane, I was listening to an interview this last week and she was doing such an amazing job talking about prayer. And she was talking about how she had the opportunity to go to talk to leaders from the Chinese underground church. And they had about 500 leaders that they had taken and they had put them in different places. And, and they had taken them out of the country so they could talk to them in this one place. And they came to her and they said, listen, we, we want to know a couple things. We want to know how to witness to people and we want you to educate us in the word. The men and women that she, were ta- that she was talking to was part of the generation where they basically in some ways committed genocide nearly. And they were, it was agrarian society and they were forced out on farms and all these other things. Then all of a sudden you see the Industrial Revolution and these things start to take place in China and people begin to move to the cities and they don't know how to witness. And some of the youngsters were kind of coming down on them hard because they weren't really into the, the groove of things, if you will. So they had called in Miss Kane and they said, we want you to teach us about education in the word and witnessing. And they said this, and she laughed and you will too. She said, and they said this because all we know how to do is pray. They said that's all we know how to do because back in the day, you know, if you met and the authorities found out that could cost your life or torture of serious circumstances, serious repercussions. So we would pray and let the Holy Spirit move upon us and tell us where to go meet and then they would all show up and meet and boom, there was a whole gathering of them. And they said, the only witnessing we know how to do, now catch this, the only witnessing we know how to do was usually to our warden 
on the way to our execution, giving him the opportunity to repent and ask Christ into his heart. Christina Kane said, I did this, and it's what every one of us would do in the room. She said, I got down on both knees, stretched my hands up towards the heavens, and said, y'all pray for me, because whatever you have, I need. Now, I say that not to make us feel bad, but it's for understanding the importance of a clear conscience. See, a clear conscience is not found in material goods. It's not found in education. It's not found in something that I may or may not have physically on the earth. What a clear conscience helps me do, and really is, it really makes it happen is whenever I lay my head down on the pillow at night, I can say, God, I've done everything that I possibly could to honor you with all that I have today. So if I slip into eternity and meet you, I can stand before you with a clear conscience. With a clear conscience, I can minister the gospel and know that we're doing everything that we possibly can. It's not found in the things many times that we get caught up in, is it? It's only found with Christ, and we have to be hooked in to Christ. Amen? So this subject that we're talking about this morning, I know that it's kind of intense here for a moment, but it's incredibly important in the life of the ministry that God has put you in. Now, real quickly, a couple things that we're gonna visit here with about is, is the value of a good conscience. So, so why is it so important, if you will? And then we're gonna talk about um, how we all require constant care. You know, fighting for a good conscience is something that we all require. And then we're gonna talk about how our conscience say some, says some things and then how we have a witness in our conscience. Now, remember, a standalone by itself, our conscience does not save us. It's nothing like that. But it's that warning system for our soul, for our eternity, if you will. It says, listen, you've got some breaches. You've got some breaches in your heart. You've got some breaches in your spirit, and you better cover them up. You better get them up underneath the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, some, some scriptures that you're gonna know, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is a new creation in Christ, uh, excuse me, therefore, if anyone in Christ, he is, <laughs> therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 23, and I will give you a heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Pastor Mike did such a good job, and I encourage you to go back and find it on our podcast he preached a, a, a sermon called Beautiful Gates are at the Gates. And he talked about the lame man who was healed in Acts and how he was trapped at the gates, but it wasn't until the apostles came by and said that famous line that we all know, silver and gold have I none, but that such I do, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now this guy was paralyzed for life. He was, he was at the gate, he was begging for alms and he gets up and he begins to celebrate and, and he begins to go around town and do all the things that you know that, we, that you would expect. And the reason is why? because now he had access to things that he didn't have access to before. In Christ Jesus, we can have access to a clear conscience, a good conscience that's in sync with the Holy Spirit, that's in sync with our Savior. We don't have to stay in the anxiety and the fear and the trouble and the sleepless nights. Now, do those all happen? Yes, Paul even writes that and says, listen, I have this stuff almost, almost daily. But what it didn't do is stop him from preaching the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and living a life that honored God. 
The reason why this is so valuable is because it, it, it's, it's like we step up to the next level whenever we say, God, whatever I've got to do to preach this gospel, to share this gospel, to live a life that honors you from the purest standpoint of my heart. God, I want to position myself in a place that way my conscience is free and open to be moved on by the Holy Spirit. That way if anything creeps in, I can quickly remove it and continue to stay in the spirit that you want me to be in. And that's the power of a clear conscience. And Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, I've got something for you, man. You're beginning your ministry. I'm going on to Macedonia and you're staying here at Ephesus and you're doing some things, but I want you to know, man, this is so important that you have a clear conscience because it's so valuable in the movement of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's a couple of observations that I think will help us this morning. A good conscience requires a constant care. Okay, this is for all of us. No one is exempt from this. We all have to have constant care in our life and for ourselves if we're gonna have a clear conscience. It's not something that is just gonna be given to us. We have to fight for it. Pastor Mike and I have taken several journeys together. And whenever I was young, when I say whenever I was young, I was 35, but whenever I first started this journey with him, we would be in the car and four and five different hours, maybe seven hours, stuff like that, maybe on a plane flight. And we would talk about what it was needed to get the church to where it's at now and the hard work and the effort. And he said, Matt, this is one thing that I decided early on in my ministry. And I know that many of you guys have decided the same thing. He said, listen, I might not be the smartest. I might not be the most equipped. I might but not be the most talented. But what I've made up my mind, Matt, is nobody's gonna outwork me. About a year and a half ago, I asked for Christmas a, a, a green thermos. You know those Stanley green thermoses? Yes, I was, I was doing that funeral the other day and that guy walked in and he goes, well, my grandpa has one of those. I was like, thank you, that's cool. I'm a grandpa, all right. But I bought that Stanley Green Thermos so many times I saw my dad get off the rigs. 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, covered in grease, armload of clothes in one hand that needed to be washed, a thermos in the other. And every time I took a drink out of that thermos, I thought to myself, Matt, don't let anybody outwork you. Whenever it comes to a clear conscience, listen to me. Make up your mind that you're not gonna be outworked by the world. We're not gonna be outworked by the devil. We're gonna do everything we can to keep the gates secure. That way the Holy Spirit can have all the room to move in us that, that the Holy Spirit needs. But it's for all of us. It's for all of us. It's, you're not on an island when you say, I can't do it. Acts chapter 24, verse 16. Paul is in front of a governor named Felix. Now he's on this journey by himself going in front of important person to important person knowing that this is probably gonna cost him his life. But there's something inside of him that compels him to do it. Acts chapter 24, verse 16. He's talking to Felix and he says this, so I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Paul is arguably the greatest theologian. I know he's one of the greatest theologians, set at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the greatest Jewish teachers to ever live. I mean, he has a pedigree and a resume and everything that you ask for. Yet he says this, listen, I have to fight. I have pain when it comes to keeping my conscience clear before man and before God. And we don't chase a reputation. The Bible says this, be wary if everybody thinks you're a good person. So not everybody's gonna agree with you. 
but it doesn't mean that we don't fight to stand before man and say, listen, I've been honest, I've had integrity, I've done what I said I was gonna do to the best of my ability. And whenever we stand before God, we do the same thing, God. I wanna stay clear, I wanna stay clean so that you can move through me. And Paul here is saying this word pains. And the, in the King James Version, he says exercise, and we all love that, don't we? Another, another, another word is a labor or strive. What is he saying? He says, man, there's no easy fixes for this. If you're gonna keep a clear conscience, welcome to the party. You gotta work like the rest of us. Just because you're a pastor, just because you're a director, just because you're a Sunday school teacher, we look at people in leadership positions and say, it must be easier for them because God has a special grace for them. Well, I agree that to a certain degree, but here we look in Scripture and Paul says, listen, I strive like everybody else is to keep this clean conscience before God. It's something that we all struggle with. Galatians chapter five and 17. Now this, this is gonna be a really fun scripture. I'm gonna love this, okay? Galatians chapter five, verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The reason why we need a clear conscience that's hooked into Christ so our warning system can go off, because it says, listen, there is a war going on inside of you. There is a constant war between the flesh and between the spirit, and it's in every one of us. And what we gotta have is some, we gotta have some sirens going off, we gotta have some breaches, whenever things have been breached, we have, to go, we have to have it go off to warn us so we can wake from our slumber or wake from whatever where maybe has us captivated. About a year, year and a half ago, my alarm system goes off at two o'clock in the morning. And I'm a heavy sleeper, like you wake me up, like I'm in battle mode, anybody else? Like you wake me up, I'm like, whoa! Like I'm the karate kid all of a sudden, you know what I mean? You know? I'm serious, my family hates weight, like they'll throw stuff across the room at me to wake me up. Guess I watch too many war movies, I don't know. I was in a foxhole, man, I was in a foxhole. It just rings out through the house. Well, what do I do? I do what any man does, I get up. And I send my wife, no, I'm just kidding, I don't do that. I, I'm just kidding, I don't do that. I get up, I run towards the threat, okay? And I wasn't carrying a baseball bat, I run towards the threat, this is Oklahoma. <laughs> my wife goes in there and gets Cali and I'm doing what I can to figure it out. And I get down there and find out one of the mechanisms had failed on my door. So I get all that handled, wake up the next morning, or I, I get back to sleep. My alarm goes off about three o'clock in the morning and I wake up out of bed from a slumber too. And I run downstairs and do the whole thing over again. Finally talked to the lady the next day and I said, hey, this is one thing we gotta get fixed, ma'am. There's nothing like waking up at three o'clock in the morning and not knowing what's going on, man. Well, this is the thing. That's the reason why this is so important and we work on it. Because for some of us, we may need to be woken from our slumber because of some of the things that we have in our life. And God has a way of doing that. And we've all been there and we've all done it, but we must keep working at it and keep grinding it out and going further and further. There's something constant that we must do. Denying the flesh requires pain. The good news is the pain will not be in vain the pain will be worth the result, amen? Now, a good conscience um, has signals. So it requires constant care and it has signals. Now, the, something breaches, this is the reason why we feel guilt, we feel fear, and we feel shame. 
Make sense? But there's positive signals attached to this. Okay, not everything when we breach is negative. Some of the things that you've been in the mix of, you've looked up and we'll get to that here in a while and you're like, I wonder why I'm doing this. Well, it was because your conscience was leading you because it was tied into the Holy Spirit and you began to do things. Does it make sense? So the good signals went off. All of a sudden you feel peace in your heart. You feel contentment. I don't need anything else. And then you feel affirmation. Like I've done something that matters. Has any of you guys ever felt that? Absolutely, we've all felt that. And those are the bells and the whistles that go off. See, Paul is warning Timothy in his first letter. So if we go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and we see verses 6 through 11, he says some things. And here he says, listen, stay away from vain discussion. Stay away from teaching without understanding and teaching contrary to sound doctrine. He said these other guys are coming in and doing that. And they should be sending off all kinds of bells and all kinds of whistles and all this other things in your life because of these signals. That should be... That should be signaling that, listen, we've got to go and do something else. But because their conscience wasn't tied into the Holy Spirit, tied into Jesus Christ, it didn't stop them from doing it. So in our life, we have these signals when things have breached, when we've, well, let's put it this way, when we've crossed a threshold into something we know we shouldn't be. Or a signal of affirmation comes off whenever we cross it, we cross the threshold. Now we're in the territory of the enemy. Fear may rise up. We may realize that God has something for us and we ask ourselves, are we in the right place at the right time doing what God has called us to do? And then all of a sudden, peace will come over us. All of a sudden, affirmation will come over us. All of a sudden, that confirmation will come over us that yes, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But the power of a clear conscience helps all of those develop into our life. And it's something that we strive for, it's something that we seek for. You know, this, this, there, there's a thing called echo chambers. So what it is, a bunch of people get around a table and they begin to talk about the same thing. And just like it says echo, they'll throw out something and somebody else will throw out something that, that, that encourages that or that defines that. And all it is is people agreeing with one another. That's all an echo chamber is. So people will go in and say, I like doing this and I think it's important and everybody around the table will begin to echo that and begin to, I guess, lift up and encourage. For some of us, we need to get out of our own echo chambers and that's the reason why we need a conscience that's hooked into God because God will tell us not what we wanna hear but what we need to hear. And if we're constantly in our own echo chamber listening to what we want to hear, the Holy Spirit can't talk to us. The buzzer goes off and says, listen, you're being selfish. You're in a place you don't need to be in. You're doing this for the wrong motives, all these things that we see. And then we begin to see the buzzers go off and the signals go off and say, listen, there's been a breach here. But the same is true on the reverse side. All of a sudden, we get out of our own echo chambers and where some people get with us and say, well, you're crazy. I wouldn't make that move. You don't have the finances. You don't have this. You don't have that. You don't have the talent, whatever it is but God has spoken to you that you can do it and that he's gonna be behind you. Get out of that echo chamber, get that conscience hooked up with the Holy Spirit and say, okay, I need some affirmation. I'm out here and I feel like I'm alone, but I know I'm not alone because you'll never leave me nor forsake me. And then that affirmation, that confirmation comes all over me, amen? But we're hooked into that good conscience, that clear path that inner voice inside of us that makes us aware of the things around us, of morality issues and things that are just get weird. Have you guys ever been in some weird stuff? You're like, I just don't think this, this is weird. 
And that's really all you can say about it. But you don't, you feel a check. And then all of a sudden you feel like you need to get out of here or you need to stay or something like that. And you wonder why, because that's our conscience. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse 12. Paul talks about this. He says, for our boast is this. Now check this out. The testimony of our conscience. The testimony. You see the bells and whistles in that? The testimony. We have behaved in a world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. He says, listen, my conscience has something to say. It has a testimony. And what sets that testimony off in the positive way is doing what God has told me to do. And he said, listen, I came to you in simplicity. Have you guys ever been around some theologians that take something simple in the Bible and by the time they get through arguing it, nobody understands it know how? They take something that's supposed to be easy. Listen, Jesus Christ saves and he's here for everyone. Every man or woman that comes unto him and bows a knee, they can be saved and have their home in heaven. It's not hard. It's against the flesh, but it's not difficult. Now, Paul probably didn't yell like that, but he says, listen, man, I came in simplicity, simplicity. I came in a godly sincerity, putting, putting the people first and me second. I came in godly sincerity. I, I came in godly wisdom and a, and a genuine love for people. And that voice inside of him began to raise up and begin to testify about the things that he'd done that was connected with his conscience. Now, this is the fun thing, okay? You guys ready for this? Now, with every voice, what you need is a witness. Can I get a witness? Yes. Oh, some of you guys got excited. You almost pulled out your handkerchief and started waving it, didn't you? Now, if you've ever been in one of those, how many of you guys have been in a testimony service where somebody gets up and testify? Some of them are super great, some of them are not super great, right? Some of them you're like, I never wanna do this again, and others you're like, we should do this every night. And this is what it reminds me of. You, you get a person up there and they grab the pulpit and they begin to talk about how God has changed their life, you know, and, and God's good. And maybe they quote some scripture and you got those old church mothers in the funny hats, you know, that start waving like, oh, Lord Jesus, yes. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Oh, keep on preaching, Pastor Matt. And then you'll get somebody else up there who'll grab the pulpit and they'll begin, to, they'll begin to declare the glory of God and how awesome he is and how they wouldn't be anywhere without him and how he pulled them out of drugs and alcohol and all these other lifestyles and different things like that. And all of a sudden everybody will begin to stand up and begin to get extremely happy, you know what I mean? That witness inside of them, you know, maybe a little happy dance. Some of you guys could use a happy dance. It's good for you. Hell lost another one, baby. Hell lost another one. A little bit of a happy dance. Now, that's the kind of witness that we're talking about here. This is the kind of witness that we're talking about. A good conscience has a witness of the Holy Spirit. You want that good conscience, man? Get it hooked into the Holy Spirit. And you wonder, do I have a good conscience? Do I have a clear conscience? Do I have a pure conscience, man? Is it hooked in, thriving on the Holy Spirit? If the answer is yes, you're in good shape. Now, you got to listen to it, because remember, it doesn't save us, amen? But it is that security system. Now, Romans chapter 9, verse 1. Here's Paul speaking to his Roman friends. Check this out. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit. 
The Apostle Paul that grapples with a clear conscience, that asks God to help him, that takes labor and pains and strives for it. One of the things that he knows that he is convinced of is that my, holy, that, that, that my conscience has to be hooked in to the Holy Spirit. Because that Holy Spirit is what gives my conscience the witness. So that inner, still, small voice inside of you says, you're doing good. You're in the enemy's territory. You're feeling a little bit of fear, but you're doing good. Then you might have to go, whoo! You know what I mean? You got some stuff changing in your life. You're breaking off relationships. You're breaking off old habits, and it's scary because you're moving into territory that's not familiar, yet you see the peace that's coming over your life. You're doing some things that you didn't do before, and you know they're in God, and sometimes you just have to testify and say, whoo! Because I promise you, if Jesus came to save and deliver, then his spirit is inside of you celebrating. Because that's what he came to do. And whenever we respond to that and we get some of that stuff cut loose off of our life so we can have a clear conscience, so we can live out the gospel to the fullest. There's gonna be some happy dances. And some of you guys know what I mean. Some of you guys are a little bit apprehensive, I understand that. Because you're in that place right now where you don't really know if Christ has set you free. You don't really know if Christ would even love you where you're at. Did he die for me or did he die for the people around me? He died for all of us. And you've been making changes in your life. And God has been setting you free. And you've had those inner witnesses inside of you. And you've been scared because it's unfamiliar territory. But God wants to confirm this morning that that inner witness of the Holy Spirit means business. And you keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Interesting story that I heard and. I'm coming to a close here. Interesting story that I heard about a mountain climber. Wanted to climb Mount Everest, and this is what he said. He said that whenever I climbed Mount Everest and I, I went to the summit, he said what I wound up doing was actually climbing the mountain four different times. He said because I would climb up a little bit, get climatized, and have to come back down to base camp. Then I'd go up a little bit for, further, get climatized, and come back down. Then go up a little bit further and come back down. He said finally I went up and I made the mountain. And he said, this is the theory on that. Two steps forward and one step back. He said, so it's almost like you take two steps forward and then you have to renegotiate, take a step back and look and go forward. Listen, there's no shame in that. We wanna fight to make sure that our conscience is clear. And whenever we're trying to do what the, what the Lord has called us to do, we're not gonna get it right because we are not perfect. Whenever we're trying to honor God with everything that's inside of us, and we're coming out of a lifestyle of sin and brokenness, we're going to mess up. And we may be taking two steps forward and then taking a step back in repentance, and then you take two steps forward and then you take another step back. But whatever you do, please do not give up. You keep getting to the summit. You rely on your conscience as that inner witness. 
that the Holy Spirit is connected to. God, I'm gonna keep it clear. When something breaches, and I feel shame, when something breaches, and I know that it's sinful, when something breaches, I'm not gonna get overwhelmed. I'm gonna take a step back, I'm gonna repent, I'm gonna get that security system back in order to where it needs to be. Whenever you're stepping forward, and it's a new territory, and you're feeling that affirmation, you're feeling that confirmation, you're feeling that success, in your, and, you're, and it gets scary, come on, we've all been there. You keep moving, and you keep saying, oh, I feel that affirmation. I feel that confirmation of the Holy Spirit. I'm not alone. I'm not who I was, because behold, in Christ, I'm a new creation. I wanna read a story to you. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34 through 40. This helps us understand what some of you guys are already doing because your conscience is in line with God. But it helps us give a clear picture of how important the conscience is when it comes to being connected with the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God. Jesus is teaching Matthew chapter 25, verse 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, These are the people who rely on their consciences hooked into the Holy Spirit, that security system. The righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. That compulsion, that thing that compels you to do what you know lines up with the word of God and lines up with Christ. I'm telling you, a key component to that is having that clear conscience. That I can lay my head and rest and say, God, I've done everything that I possibly could to honor you. You got something in your life that you've got to fight through? I would rather stand before God with a fault that I'm fighting than stand before God with a fault that I gave up on because we're all imperfect. We all have things that we're not proud of. But to my brothers and sisters, I wanna say, you keep allowing that compulsion to propel you forward. You find yourself in situations where you say, man, I didn't even know I was gonna give. I didn't even know I was going to do this. I wonder what that was. That's a good sign of a clear conscience because the bells and whistles go off and say, you're doing the right thing in the right place at the right time, you just keep doing it. And when those old bells and whistles go off that we don't wanna hear, it wakes us up at three o'clock in the morning from our slumber, we go ahead and get down on our knees and ask God to forgive us. Get right back to what we've been doing. Step back, two steps forward. A step back, two steps forward. But we need help, don't we? Here in a second, we're gonna have all of our prayer team stand up front. And 
I encourage you this morning, if you want to come up and link hands with one of them and say, I just need, I need more prayer. There's some things in my conscience that I need to get cleaned out. I need to repent, whatever it is. Or you can just go up to them and say, would you just link hands with me and pray that the Holy Spirit would just continue to move in my life? If you don't want to do that, I want to invite you to come down front and just stand. But listen, let me tell you how important this is. And it's not to get an altar call. I'm comfortable either way. But I do know that faith begins with a step. And you've been fighting some things that you need to let go of and you're almost there. Don't let today be another day that you didn't say, I did everything that I could to get that thing out of my life, God. I know there was one point in my life all I did was ride the altar, man. Every, pastors could have called an uh, altar call for a 16-year-old pregnant girl and I was walking down the aisle, man, saying, it's me, God. Because I got to the point where I didn't care. God, I wanted you to do some things in my life. And I knew that I was so close so many times. So this is what we're gonna do. Go ahead and stand up if you would. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.